Welcome aboard Spaceship Earth. This slow-moving journey will take you from the dawn of recorded history to the promise of tomorrow. Will Dr. Humphrey, Dr. Victoria Humphrey, please pick up the epidermal cell scanner from bay number three? Thank you. I bet you wish you never been born, huh, Bray Rabbit? Well, you mine, you mine, <laughs> and you not getting away this time. Then comes Horizons, where you can experience 21st century living on land, at sea, and out in space. Ladies and gentlemen, Cosmic Ray is proud to present the biggest little star in the galaxy. Direct from Unork City on the planet Zork, put your hands together for Sunny Eclipse and the amazing Astro Organ. W Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 163 for the week of March 28th, 2010. This week, we get to know the dads from the 2010 Walt Disney World Moms panel and discuss some of their tips and recommendations and things for guys to do on their mancation. We'll continue our detailed tour through Mickey's Toontown Fair as Jim Corcus and I do a DSI, Disney Scene Investigation, through Minnie and Mickey's houses as well as Donald's boat, pointing out the details, secrets, and history before Toontown makes way for the expansion of Fantasyland. I'll have some announcements about the Dream Team Project charity at the end of the show before playing more of your voicemails, so sit back Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. For those of you that are maybe old enough to have seen it, you may remember that father knows best. And that old adage was actually put to the test a few years ago when Disney started the Walt Disney World Moms Panel, proving that really to get the right answer, you go to your mom. Or do you? Because back in 2007, as part of the Year of a Million Dreams promotion, Disney sought moms to be part of a new panel that was going to help guests plan their vacations, and answer their questions in a whole new way. But Moms was a bit of a misnomer as a dad found his way onto the panel as well. But times, they are a-changing. And this year, the panel is bigger, and dare I say better than ever, and in fact, doesn't have just one dad, but many. Because this year, there are 21 new panelists from the United States and Canada from a variety of different backgrounds, all of whom were named official members of the 2010 Disney World, in quotes, Moms panel, which, by the way, resides over at DisneyWorldMoms.com. And really due to the popularity of the site and an incredibly exponentially growing number of questions, Disney also welcomed back 22 panelists from 2008, 2009, meaning there are a total of 43 members for 2010 that really serves as vacation 
planning gurus for those guests looking to set up their Walt Disney World vacation. So in the past, I've met pretty much all the moms and dads and had many of them on the show. But this week, I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I wanted to look at a few members of the panel that have one thing in common. They're not moms, but dads. So I want to welcome six of the Walt Disney World Moms Panel Dads to the show. We're going to go through a little roll call here, ask you guys to maybe introduce yourself. It's kind of like the dating game, but without the girls or prizes and bad tuxedo on the host. So in no particular order, other than what Mark Lorenzo gave it to me, we'll start off with you, Terry McKinney. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Terry McKinney. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, just to tell you briefly about myself, I have, um, I'm married. I have a beautiful wife. I call her the light of my life. I have two kids. Uh, they are the joys of my world, and they inspire me to uh, achieve so much in my life. And one was to try to become a panelist on the Disney Moms panel. Uh, my wife uh, told me about the application process when it came out around September. I was a little reluctant because I heard the word mom. I said, oh, gosh, you're not looking for any guys. you got to be crazy, right? And she kind of, you know, uh, encouraged me a little bit. And so I said, hey, why not put in uh, the uh, FA questions and uh, made it through a couple of rounds. And then they, you know, after a couple of weeks, they asked me to be on the panel, and I was floored. I would not have thought that they would ask little old me to to serve on the panel, but it's been a life-changing experience, and I'm certainly happy to serve it with these other guys on this call and uh, the other ones that are on the panel this year. So, Terry, just in case either one or both of our wives are listening, truly, behind every good man is a great woman because your wife is the one that inspired you to imply. She certainly did. <laughs> and she was a little upset, too, by the way, because she didn't make it past the first round, and I did it. So there, there was some contention in the house a little bit there. <laughs> she steals your mom's panel jacket every now and then, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, I, I, I hook her up, man. All the little trinkets I get, I make sure we share it all. <laughs> you, sir, are a smart, smart man, I can tell already. Speaking of smart men, even though I've never met you, Bernie Edwards has got to be a smart guy to be on the Walt Disney World Moms slash Dads panel. Bernie, welcome to the show, and congratulations. Thanks, Lou. So um, I'm from Columbia, Maryland, and I'm an electrical engineer with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. I have uh, two boys, five and ten, and my whole family uh, are big Disney fans. Uh, I've been a fan of uh, Disney parks and resorts uh, around the world um, since, since basically I was a little boy. So I was uh, very excited to be selected for the Moms panel and uh, having a great time answering questions. So I was I was half kidding when I say, speaking of smart men, but you, Bernie, you really are like a rocket scientist on the Moms panel. Yeah, um, people ask me that all the time. Actually, this morning I was uh, being interviewed by the National Public Affairs Office about the Moms panel thing. So it's been it's been uh, it's been fun so far. It uh, it very much demonstrates the fact that it is a again wide variety of, of backgrounds of people that are on the panel. So welcome. And uh, Joel Kennedy, I actually had a chance to meet you last week over at ESPN. Congratulations and welcome as well. Oh, thanks, Lou. That was a hoot, wasn't it? That was a blast. That oh. was really a good time. Um, my name's Joel. I live in Milwaukee, and I've been married to my college sweetheart, Julie, for almost seven years now. And we have uh, two little boys, 
uh, one is five, the other one is one and a half, and I refer to them as either pirates or princes, and, and now I have to enunciate that because I go back and look at the uh, video we recorded for our mom's panel introductions, and it sounds like I call them princesses. <laughs> <laughs> so I, princes, as in, as in the, the, male, the male son of a king, but, which isn't me, so I guess the story didn't work out. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm really excited to, to be on the show and really just pumped to be on the phone with all the other dads on the panel. Yeah, it's a uh, a great group, and we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. So moving on down the list, next on the Hit Parade is Jonas Lehman Carp. Jonas, like everyone else, congratulations and welcome. Thank you very much, Lou. Um, um, uh, again, my name is Jonas. I'm from New York. I'm raising two awesome and rambunctious uh, young boys, ages four and two. I was uh, a pretty controversial choice for the panel, as I'm a lawyer, uh, like you, um, actually I'm a recover. Actually, I'm a recovering year. attorney, so big difference. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, I'm, I'm an aspiring to be a recovering attorney. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've always loved Disney World, and it's just been part of my life since a young boy. Um, and I'm just so excited to be part of the panel and part of your show. Great, it's great to have you. And uh, next, certainly not least, my good friend. Even before I was really just in awe of him on the Moms panel, Mark Lorenzo. Hey, Lou. How are you doing? Good, buddy. So, yes, I'm Mark Lorenzo. I'm a single dad. I have a 12-year-old son, and I'm kind of a late bloomer, actually, to the whole Disney experience. I started going. I went as a child a couple times, and, you know, five or six times as I was growing up and into my, like, mid-20s. But I really didn't start loving Disney till you know, I brought my son in 2007 on a vacation with just him and I. And I just basically fell in love with it overnight, and I've learned a whole lot since then. And it kind of proves that almost anyone, if you have the heart and passion, can be on the mom's panel. Because sometimes I feel like, you know, I know I'd be the first one to admit I don't know everything about Disney, but I'm always learning. and But I do know enough to help some people out, and that's, you know, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But getting on the mom's panel was, like, probably the second greatest thing that's ever happened to me besides my son being born. And I think the third greatest thing it comes in a close third is meeting you. So that's just a plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about – yeah, listen, your check is definitely going to clear. Um, <laughs> you talk about passion. Mark, you're the one person who I've known before uh, getting a chance to talk to you guys tonight – and we spent a lot of time together back last year at the D23 Expo. And the one thing that I saw you certainly did have and still do is that passion. So I told you when you applied, if there's one person I knew who should be on the panel, it was you. So um, very much deservedly so. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I actually filled out the first questions the morning of the, the Thursday morning of the Expo the first day. So it was kind of amazing. So I was doing it like 630 in the morning trying to you know get it in before i went to help you out in the expo so that's right that's right i forgot about that and last certainly not least uh, on the panel and somebody who's actually loves disney so much he's blowing off his daughter's high school basketball practice to be on the show tonight chris gildea chris welcome to the show Thank you, Lou, for having me, and it's it's great to be united with my uh, Disney dad buddies from all over the country. So, hey, fellas. Um, 
I guess the, the best the best place to start is at the beginning. My name is Chris Gilday, and I live in Boston, Massachusetts. And I think what separates me from the rest of my counterparts is I'm probably the heaviest of the six of us. Um, and I teach fifth grade in Massachusetts. I know we have a kind of a variety of occupations in the whole group. And I'm a former college football player, and that's what I attribute my heaviness to. So I think as far as distinguishing factors, those are a couple of the points that I made to Laura Spencer and the interviewing committee when we talked about what makes me unique um, as far as separating me from the rest of the moms. And first of all, we're all dads. And I think second of all, all of those things that I just mentioned uh, counted as well. I think what brought me to apply to the Disney Moms panel was... I followed it from afar when it first started two years ago, and I I was keenly aware of Brett and, you know, liked what he did um, and said, hey, you know, even though the name says moms, obviously they're not excluding, you know, the the males in the world who help plan their family's vacation or friends' vacations. So I followed it a little bit closer last year, and ironically, Laura Spencer, who was on the first moms panel and is now in charge of it, uh, is from the same hometown that I'm from. And she was featured in an article up here last spring. And after reading the article, a woman I teach with came in and said, hey, you got to read this. So I read about Laura. I read about the upcoming application process in September of last year and said, you know what? I love this stuff so much that I think just the sheer act of applying for it will be fun. Uh, And then when I wrote my answers, I think I'm one of the few based on blogs and stuff that I read who just answered it and submitted it. I didn't edit anything I wrote. I didn't second guess it. I didn't, you know, try to come up with the right answer. I I just answered it the way we all talked to each other when we first met in December. And that was just genuine, pure love of Disney, um, you know, fact-based answers. And you roll the dice and you live with the result and made it to round two, made it to round three, had the phone interview and was asked uh, actually with a phone call to my classroom to be a part of the panel back in November. So here I sit, um, you know, answering questions like everybody else, hoping that the dream never ends because I I think it's a wonderful opportunity to not only share our passion for something that means a lot to us, um, but it gives us kind of a different view of, of Disney that we may have had prior to being a part of this project. Yeah, and it seems, you know, from talking to some of you that it was, and we keep using that term, uh, rightly so, passion that fueled your desire to want to apply. Terry, except for you, your wife conned you into it turn the tables you get on she doesn't well i'm sorry so let me ask you this all right so we're all manly men and and you're applying for the disney world mom's panel let's be honest did you get grief from any of your buddies that hey what are you doing a dad applying for the whole mom's panel pink jacket thing i'll take that one oh you see everybody um, everybody jumps in there (laughs) that that one has you know way more opportunity for an answer than just getting conned into it um Mark and I are the two biggest on the panel, and I'm 6'3", about 310 pounds. Um, So when the label mom was something I started throwing around, of course, I got the prerequisite chuckle um, or or mom or, you know, people who had no clue what it was. The natural inclination is to laugh, to to put that kind of label on a guy the size of me or Mark, uh, or Bernie for that matter, too, and and Terry's big, too. It's Jonas and Joel who are kind of the medium-sized guys. Well, they say we didn't get called small, you know, I was prepared for that. Uh, small is not in my vocabulary. I'll make you guys medium. But, um, 
you know, once you started to explain to people what it was, it, it went from a little bit of a poke in the ribs to, hey, wait a minute, that's pretty cool. And you, you factored in the, the opportunity for us to go down to, you know, Disney World to, to meet up with the rest of the panelists and to train. And, and now they started to look at it as a thing that, that they might be envious of. So it definitely started as a, as a, a good opportunity to, to bust the hump a little bit, but it, it changed in a hurry. You know, the moms come in all different shapes and sizes, and some of the moms are dads, and I've answered that question a lot. But, I mean, from my experience, who wouldn't want to be a mom and be able to, you know, number one, help people out, uh, you know, hopefully make their vacations just a little more magical. I know it sounds like, you know, a catchphrase, but it really means a lot to me to be able to help people out. And I think um, I definitely get more than I give. You know what I'm saying? With this whole process. And look, let's be honest. You know, they might have made might have made fun of you, but you guys are so much smarter than them because you're surrounded by a bunch of beautiful women who love Disney World. Does it get any better than that? Really? <laughs> it doesn't. So but so let's talk about this year. Obviously, there's so many more men, there's so many more people on the panel. But it was a much, much tougher process this year because now the awareness of the panel has grown exponentially because Laura and her team does such a good job of making it making people aware that the DisneyWorldMoms.com is out there. Now, they were actually, from what I understand, Mark, maybe you can correct me, there were more than 20,000 applicants this year? Somewhere they haven't released, you know, exact number, but they but I've seen quotes that it's harder to get into the Miles panel than it is to get into Harvard. So like uh, 7% that apply get into Harvard and only 0.21% actually, you know, make it into the Miles panel if you use that 20,000 as a guide. See, you're smart, Mark. You Bernie can, can do both. Mark, you can tell Mark is the single dad because he's throwing those stats around like, you know, it's a lot, <clears throat> it's tougher to be a mom than it is to get into Harvard. I'm just saying, ladies. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. I just tore up my law degree. Um, well, I owe that one to Laura Spencer because she's the one that figured it out. She's a smart cookie. No, that, that that's out. great. Oh, Listen, yeah. you guys have have so much to be proud of because it was a very tough process. So what what do you what do you think it is? So for people that are looking forward to it next year, what are they looking for when they look for a mom or more particularly a dad? So I had. Uh, so actually, after round, so I didn't get excited until after round two, and then before round three, because I knew the phone interviews were coming up, I decided I was going to study everything I could get my hands on. Because you can tell I'm an engineer, so I was like, okay, they're going to ask questions like, how do you go from the Polynesian to Beaches and Cream? What's the fastest way? How long does it take? Things like that. And so I had really kind of studied hard. Uh, and then when the phone interview came, it was more questions like, you know, what makes you unique? How do you share your passion? How do you help people? And and things like that. So I think I think they're looking for people who generally want to help people as opposed to being an encyclopedia of Disney knowledge. I think Laura was pretty clear. Uh, we sat at lunch one day when we were down at training and we were talking about the application process itself, the numbers, the ratio of, of dads to moms and how that was increasing. And, and I think what she said on fat first pass at all of the applicants, what they look at is, number one, can you write? Um, any sort of grammatical errors, any sort of punctuation errors, because this is kind of an online writing opportunity. Um, you could easily get excluded if you didn't have capital letters or periods or stuff like that. 
but beyond the writing, it became more, and it's the tack that I took, a little bit different than Bernie. I just laid it out there for, for what I knew and what I felt about Disney, uh, and it's one of the criteria Laura said that she and the other screeners looked at was, first of all, knowledge. But just because you knew how many rooms were in the contemporary or how many feet above sea level Main Street USA is didn't automatically get you to the next round. It had to be something they, they read or saw or felt with the emphasis on the word felt when they read your responses. So for the 2011 applicants, it's simply got to be, number one, know what you're talking about. Number two, be able to express it in kind of a clear, concise way, but just emote. Uh, and, and I use that word a lot in my, in my essays is just that word emotion and emote and magic and passion. And, and, and a lot of it sounds cliche, but if you say it and mean it, it's not cliche. People can tell. And it's really about your experience with your family and it's those magical like moments. I mean, I know I use magical a lot, but it's those moments in time. Like for example, uh, you know, when I ride the monorail with my son, every the first time we do it on every trip, I mean, that's just looking at the expression on his face. Or when we play story, Toy Story together, and I actually, you know, might beat him for once in a video game. Uh, you know, things like that, that's really what makes the Monsanto work. Because, I mean, we it, it is our experience that we're conveying, and, you know, that's one of the things, the beauty of the Monsanto is we're all, we're very diverse, especially this year, and we're allowed, we express our opinion about the park, whether it be positive or negative, our opinion about Disney, and that's what people are looking for is an honest, you know, opinion. You know, certainly you guys come in with uh, an extent of knowledge about Walt Disney World and vacation planning, things like that. Certainly, admittedly, you guys don't know it all, and part of the training is the education uh, about things, or at least where to find out the information. But you got to tell me, there's got to be something that was so interesting, or, or better put, just the coolest thing that you learned so far as a member of the Moms Panel, Terry. Yeah, you know, it's funny when uh, during the training session, I realized here I am, you know, in Charleston saying, oh, yeah, I'm I'm the Disney guy, and then I meet these uh, uh, five other guys that are just blowing me away with Disney knowledge. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I got to hit the books or something after this training is over. But, uh, I, 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 you know, it's funny. I, I, I look at the questions and the answers from uh, some of the other panelists, and I'm learning as I'm doing. So uh, I think someone earlier mentioned that. Uh, I think it was Mark who mentioned he didn't have all the answers, and I'm definitely uh, 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 uh I'm definitely in that situation. I really don't, but just being able to see some of the other answers from others has educated me. Um, I think what when I answer questions, I try to tie the personal experiences that I have with my family. And you, the other panelists probably notice I have a ton of I answer a ton of questions that are tied to my children because the last three years, man, it's been kind of going out there. I got a six and a two year old and. Oh man, I thought I was planning before, and then when I had them, <laughs> you have to plan to the T to make the magic happen. So <laughs> it was—it's uh, been a tremendous experience, and just being able to share my knowledge, what's worked, you know, some things that didn't work, or to, to look out for has uh, has been kind of what I look for when I'm answering some of the questions. I look for those type of questions as well. And for anybody else, has there been something that's just been? Maybe very something very surprising or something just so cool. It was sort of like your wow moment. Like wow, this this is I had no idea. This is awesome. 
I think this is Chris. I think the um, two of the coolest things that we did, and I don't know if any of my fellow dads will agree, was everything. Every park we entered, we came in from backstage. Um, so, so to be in the backstage area where the average guest is never going to see what was cool in and of itself, but more specifically, I had never been in what's called the Utilidor, which is all of the hallways and passageways underneath the Magic Kingdom. And it's where, you know, cast members come and go to get to their particular um, onstage role. And just to be under there and, and see how, you know, the inner workings of the Magic Kingdom really blew my mind. I thought that was the coolest part of the whole week. Yeah, and I'm sure, again, from a guy perspective, we're taking this from the guy perspective, seeing all the tech stuff and the, the geeky stuff had to be awesome. And I'm sure you've also probably encountered some some funny stories um, some interesting stories and questions along the way. But but show now, guys, your, your soft, sentimental side for the ladies. Has, have you encountered any stories or questions that just kind of moved you to tears? And, and let me, I'll preface this by saying it's okay. You know, I cried during Wishes. I cried when Old Yellow got shot. I, I hope that didn't ruin it for anybody. Uh, I cry when the California Grill is booked up and when it's time to check out. Has Have you hit anything that really sort of hit your soft spot and mark since i know i you can cry you can tell me you're you can go first well um i want to go back to the other question because it kind of ties in you know all the you know we had great fun during training and there was a lot of whining and dining you know just a little bit of training but the thing that really surprised me the most about training was in the first like joel said in the first couple minutes i gained a brand new Disney family that, I mean, I felt like I've known them all my life. And, you know, the guys that were incredible and the ladies are just as incredible and they're just as diverse. And it's just amazing. I've learned so much, like Terry said, from them. So to me, like my trips to Disney are starting to become less about the rides and more about the people that I know and the people that I meet and hopefully the people that I will meet. You know, it's, I have hardly gone on any rides in my recent trips because they've all been more the social aspect of the whole thing. So, I mean, I was really, really surprised. And the questions that come through range from, you know, what's the best way to get here to, you know, I'm a single parent. I've answered a few of those. What, how, how can I save money? And those kind of get it, tug at your heartstrings. And there's a lot of special needs questions and, you know, I'm hoping that some of my answers can help people out. You know, Mark, I was really hoping you were going to cry because that would have been podcast gold if I could add a Disney, you know, mom's panel dad cry on the show. <laughs> I think you, I think you need to go to Bernie for that. And Bernie, you want to share either the wishes story or the Disney florist girl? Come on, Bernie, bring it home. A couple of tears would awesome. Part of our training, we had a. Uh, a dream maker come in from the Disney florist and they were telling us various stories over lunch uh, about things they had done for uh, couples or for a family or for a grandpa and basically they were being filmed the entire time and as, as story after story after story is coming out there, there are tears all over this room uh, including from uh, most of them and I have to admit uh, I was crying at some point that uh, these stories were, were just amazing the things that the florist had done just the, the genuine nature 
with which the dream maker was telling her stories. I, I was actually sitting next to Bernie at lunch and I noticed him dabbing at his eyes and, and I, I caught one tear before it rolled down my cheek. Cause I don't like to show too much of that stuff in public, but you almost couldn't help it. I mean, this, this girl was so genuine and, and the stories that she was telling were so remarkable um, that you just, you couldn't not react. You know, in thinking about this, there's obviously so many probably cool things you get to do and cool things you get to see. I have to find that, and Terry, I'm going to direct this one to you because you're in a unique situation. Do you find now that you're telling your spouses or girlfriends, whatever it might be, that you now have to go down to Walt Disney World a lot more often for research trips or, you know, <clears throat> for work? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's funny. I feel so guilty. You don't know how guilty I feel. <laughs> Wait a minute. We I saw you in Walt Disney World. There was not a stitch of guilt on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we and you and I met right after uh, Expedition Everest, so it was kind of funny, man, but, uh, you know, I, I, when I'm there, gosh, I mean, I, I'm enjoying myself so much, but at the same time, I'm in my mind, uh, you know, my kids, my wife, they would they would certainly enjoy it. And I'll tell you, uh, you, you and I were doing the resort showcase and the old media blogger thing. And, um, you know, we had those cool credentials and I really felt like a VIP man. I'm up here sitting under the stage looking at Demi Lovato and Joe Jonas and man, I'm up here jumping down with 16 year old kids next to me. I'm up here with them. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned about those, those special moments. There was no way I would have been able to do that, you know, without being on the panel. So, those are memorable moments, man. I, I'll speak about forever. Yeah, you sound like you feel really guilty. You hear that sound, Terry? That's the sound of your wife yeah. changing the locks on the front door. <laughs> That's right. And, I, and I'm literally in the front yard talking to you guys, so I don't know if I'm going to eat it tonight. <laughs> Enjoy the couch, my friend. Anyway, um, let's get to the important questions. Real quick, guys, rapid fire, one by one. I'll, I'll t go down the list. I want to know what your favorite. We have to bring it back to food. Tell me, manly men that you are, Bernie, what's your favorite restaurant on property? I love Ohana's. I love the, all the meats coming out there. I could stay there all night long. I think it's a perfect atmosphere. It's, it's great for the family, and, and I just love it. Nothing is more manly than endless meat on a skewer. Uh, Joel, what about for you? Oh, a question. I'm torn between character breakfast or Le Cellier, but in the end, the steak's going to win out. That away. Bring it back to the manly, big, honking steak thing. What about for you, Chris? I'd have to say hands down the yachtsman. Oh, Chris, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked yeah. you. Best steak on property right there. Yeah, I agree. Mark Lorenzo, if you say Cinderella's Royal Table, they may kick you off the panel. I've never eaten there, actually. <laughs> uh, I love... Can I say two? Sure. <laughs> I always do. I Why love uh, Kona Cafe. And I really like uh, Tapanito. And my son does, too. It really surprised me. Both good choices. Both good choices. Terry, you've had time to think about it. You're still on the front lawn. What about you? Yeah, man, I'm going to go for coral reef, actually. I, I love sitting under that aquarium, being on the coast. You know, I'm all about the seafood and eating some of the seafood there. I, 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 and the service, the hosts have always been great. I'll go for coral reef for me. Good. I like them all. I like all those options, and we should try them out individually together. All right, but so since we're all, you know, <clears throat> manly men here, this is the question I'm going to put you guys in the spot for. Bring, you know, your, your manliness to the table. What would you guys suggest? And again, I'll go down the list again. 
for Walt Disney World, if, say, a bunch of guys or a father-son, whatever it might be, want to take kind of that, that mancation, what are some real manly things guys should do or maybe things that people would overlook to do in Walt Disney World? And I'll go back down the list the other way this time. Mark, I'll put you on the spot first. Uh, Cinderella's Royal Table, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you really, you know, want the, uh, besides a pedicure, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, or day at the spa, no, I seriously, no, there's fishing there, you know, if you like that. Uh, we toured the ESPN uh, Wide World of Sports. That was pretty amazing if you're into sports. Um, there's all kinds of things to do, and I'm always discovering something new to do with my son. My son and I like like Toy Story, Midway Mania, you know, playing that together. We also love the water parks and Disney Quest, too, as well. Great choices. What about you, Chris? Manly things for, for a bunch of guys or fathers, sons to do on vacation. Okay, I'm going to start with one that I did with actually only guys, and it was heaven sent, and that was massages at the Grand Floridian Spa. <laughs> um, and, and we all walked out of there. You could, you could have pushed us over with a feather because we were just so loose and so relaxed. Hands down the best massage I ever had, so I recommend that. But on a more serious note, if you really wanted to get down to, like, you know, testosterone, brass tacks, you could go over to the ESPN zone for whatever the hot sporting event of the weekend might be, if you can even get a seat. Stroll the boardwalk, um, try to get a, a meal in at the ESPN zone and catch March Madness or the Super Bowl or, you know, a lot of questions around the mom's panel all the time about back at, uh, at the beginning of February, we're going to be down for the Super Bowl. Where's the best place to go? Obviously, we're in the midst of March Madness pretty soon. Then you got spring training. You know, year-round, there's something going on. So if not, you know, the ESPN wide world of sports, like Mark said, uh, certainly the ESPN zone over on the boardwalk, uh, or even something as simple as, you know, going kite sailing behind the contemporary or parasailing. You know, just, just something a little off the beaten path, maybe not searching out characters, but, you know, getting some, a little man treatment or just going to follow the sports route. I'm realizing this is going to get harder and harder for the guys lower down the list, but Jonas, go ahead. What's your tip? Uh, well, for me, it's easy. I don't know if you know this. I have a, a husband and I have two boys, so... Uh, every vacation is a mandation for me. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm lucky like that. So, you know, it's just really what, what the other guy said. You can also hit one of the gyms, go for a jog on a jogging trail. And, you know, if you do it in a very masculine way, it's pretty manly. Pretty manly. Joel, what, what about for you? Some some manly mancation tips. All right, I'm going to give you a twofer, but they should not be combined. Uh, one is partake of some of the fine refreshments that you can find around the world in Epcot. Uh, starting with the tequila bar and then working your way around the horn. And uh, the other one I just had a chance to do last week was the Richard Petty driving experience, which was quite a thrill. I had driven stick one time before, and uh, really that's that's an overstatement. But, uh, anyone can learn how to do it, and anybody can, can get up over 100 miles an hour and do some laps. That's, that's, a, that's a thrill to do, and, and any man should do that. Cool. And, and Terry, what about for you? I'm going to go back to Grand Floridian, man. You guys didn't join me, Lou, during the resort showcase. There was only 15 of us. The Sea Racer at Grand Floridian. I, I went there 
It was like 3.30 that afternoon. This was when the weather was like 40 degrees. <laughs> I went out there by myself, and uh, I was the only one who showed up. And I went out on Bay Lake on the Sea Racer, man, and these mini boats. You can fit your uh, son or daughter right there next to you. Great experience to go out on, on the lake. It's safe, and it was fun, man. I was out there for about 30 minutes just going there and just seeing the that's about the Magic Kingdom, Grand Floridian, all those places, man. I really enjoyed the sea race. The first time I've ever done that, and I definitely recommend that to, you know, family or to uh, a father and a son. Yeah, and, you know, those are all great things, really liking the tequila bar idea. Um, and none of you even mentioned, you know, what I thought was going to be the obvious one for a lot of you, a couple of rounds of golf. There's PGA golf courses. There's so much more, and that's why... Uh, I think it's good to get your perspective on things that guys can do because this is sort of a, a great destination for a bunch of guys or father, sons, or whatever it is. Forget Myrtle Beach, come down to Disney World instead. Um, and listen, I, I could talk to you guys all night long because I'm really enjoying sort of picking your brain and getting to know you guys a little bit better. For more information about these guys, to learn more, to ask them questions, get their opinions and their advice, you guys can head on over to DisneyWorldMoms.com. In addition to these six great guys, there are 43 minus six. There's a whole bunch of other moms and dads on the panel to help ask, answer your questions as well. But uh, Terry McKinney, Bernie Edwards, Joel Kennedy, Jonas Lehman Carp, Chris Gilday, Mark Lorenzo. Thank you guys so much. You are always welcome to come back on the show. Uh, I look forward to either seeing a bunch of you guys again in the parks, meeting some of you, uh, maybe better yet, we should all kind of get together, maybe have a, a manly day in Walt Disney World, incorporate some of your ideas, do some fishing, some archery. We'll, we'll go catch a game at ESPN, a little Richard Petty, a big steak at Yachtsman, a, a fine port. Uh, I was going to say the food and wine festival. I like that. I like that. And we'll, we'll do all manly things and then cry as we go on plays after Illuminations. <laughs> Thanks for having us on, Lou. You're an asset to Disney yourself. Uh, it's great having you guys on. I appreciate you taking time out of your night to, to join us. All right, guys. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you all down the road. the exciting announcement of the expansion of Fantasyland, we've talked about how, fortunately or unfortunately, some things are going to go away, and Mickey's Toontown Fair is one of the, the victims of the Fantasyland expansion, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what we want to do is help document and chronicle and help you all remember, and while it's still here, maybe go and find some of the wonderful stories and details that the Imagineers put into this very fun fanciful land for kids and kids at heart. So joining me once again as we take our virtual tour of Mickey's Toontown Fair is everyone's favorite Disney historian, really the only real Disney historian, <laughs> Jim Corcus. Well, actually there are a lot of Disney historians uh, uh, out there, but I'm, I'm very thankful to be uh, given that uh, title. And but they all really bow down to you, honestly. <laughs> No, they don't. Genuflect, I think, possibly. 
you know, I, I don't even have any of your female listeners, you know, <laughs> sending in room keys. And, you know, yes, I'd like to have lunch with Jim Corkas and, and hear these stories. That might be a giveaway. That might be a contest giveaway one day. Is a Jim, as a, as win a day with Jim Corkas. In, in, in a Disney park. There we go. And, and, and we'll double with you and your wife there. And you can record it for the podcast and then be able to write off uh, the cost of the meal there. Give a day, get a Disney day with Jim Corkas. So. There you go. Well, right when last we left, we were at the um, uh, the front of Toontown. We've made our way uh, uh, down the street, and we're at uh, uh, Goofy's Barnstormer now. And this this used to be Grandma Duck's uh, petting farm when uh, this was uh, Birthday Land and, and Starland. And uh, you, uh, Lou has always used the word uh, repurpose, and so the barns have actually been uh, repurposed out here. So one of them is, was repurposed, so it's Wacky Radio. Uh, with red barns, and it, that's his name because because the, the barn is red. Because the barn <laughs> is red, and then um, the other barn is now uh, Goofy's uh, Wise Acres Farm, and uh, everybody knows that Wise Acre is a is a slang term for you know a wise guy, whatever. Um, which I, I never saw Goofy as being, but I, I, I can do that. But he hasn't had much of a success taking over Grandma Duck's Farms. We, we see over there uh, uh, some bell peppers, so they're actually in the shape of bells. Uh, but one indication of uh, his lack of uh, farming ability is right out of here in, in, in the front here, where uh, squash plants, where he has literally uh, squashed them with his, uh, his uh, big shoes. Um, there's lots of uh, wonderful details here at uh, Goofy's Wiseacre Farm at the at the Barnstormer, and and again, uh, this is uh, uh, something that, uh, uh, for the most part, you'd be able to, to pick up uh, uh, for yourself. Uh, just even from the doorway, you can see that the uh, chickens over there, the live chickens, of course, have been removed, and in their place, those are the chickens from the. Uh, World of Motion attraction uh, at uh, Epcot. And then if you look a little uh, lower there where the airsick bags are, right behind there, that's Mary Poppins' bag. So I, I guess Goofy has been uh, uh, exploring uh, some alternative uh, uses of, uh, of flying. But, you know, I, I would think that if uh, you're going to learn from Mary Poppins, you'd use her uh, uh, umbrella with that parrot head. But they couldn't put that in this attraction. Why is that? Because it's located somewhere else here in the Magic Kingdom. Yes, it is. It's located at one of the train stations up there, unclaimed luggage. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people know of the, uh, the leg named Smith. So what's the name of his other wooden leg? Uh, is up there. But yes, uh, uh, Mary's umbrella with the parrot head, that, that's up there. So how poor Mary is getting along is, uh, is uh, beyond me. Uh, let's go across the street there to Minnie's house. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, so many people bypass Goofy's Barnstormer. They think it's a coaster for kids. It's, some people don't even make their way in here. But if you love a lot of those details, you should take the First of all, you, you can ride it. It's a fun little attraction. It lasts about n- nine seconds. But there's some great details in the queue. In addition to the squash and the bell peppers, there are ears of popping corn. There's, see if you can find on a door the reference to the Main Street Electrical Parade. Look for the blueprints for the multiflex octoplane that Goofy flies. A lot, a lot of wonderful, wonderful details as you wander your way through. But across the street is the squashed and stretched, to use the Imagineering term, Minnie's Country House. Let's kind of take a, a quick virtual tour through here. Right, and, and you mentioned squash and stretch, and that's uh, uh, an animation term because... 
animation, the, the point is not to create uh, reality, but the illusion of reality. And so what actually happens and what our eye sees are two different things. So, for instance, if you threw a baseball, the baseball never changes shape. But what our eye sees is um, several balls at, at once, and so it blends together. So it almost seems like that baseball is stretching. And then when it hits the glove, it almost seems like it flattens. Uh, of course, this, this doesn't happen, and certainly not to the extent that you see in cartoons. But by doing that, it, it creates this... Uh, uh, reality um, uh, for people. And, and the difficulty with both Minnie's, uh, and remember it's her country cottage, because her real house is out in Anaheim, California. This is only the Toontown Fair. This is, she's on vacation. Um, the, the problem with uh, Minnie's cottage and, and, and also uh, Mickey's home is you don't have any straight lines. When, when we had Mickey's uh, home uh, at the birthday land, it, it, there were straight lines. There were sort of uh, bulging uh, uh, rails out in, out in front, but that was about it. In here, everything is a little off, and so it was very difficult when uh, uh, the builders came in and had to, to do this, and it, it was a little scary for them that things were, were a little off-center, a little curved, uh, all of that. And uh, Minnie's house is just absolutely uh, uh, wonderful. Uh, on her fireplace, we have, um, you know, uh, some of the... Uh, uh, drawings, the, the photos of her uh, family, and we're going to share a special secret with you. Uh, as you immediately come to the fireplace, you'll see a blue frame with uh, pink hearts, and this is supposed to be uh, Minnie's uh, grandfather, and he's got a cane in one hand, and he's got the newspaper in the other hand, the, uh, the cheese report, and, and this is very nicely done, and it, if you've got a good enough eye, you can tell that Yes, that must be the work of uh, Floyd Gottfredson, who uh, was the Mickey Mouse uh, comic strip artist for many, many years. But what you probably don't realize is that picture is based on an unpublished drawing that Gottfredson did in 1948 for a newspaper article of what would Mickey look like when he was 60 years old. But the uh, there were a couple of changes made. Gottfredson's uh, uh, picture had... Um, Mickey with a, a box of uh, checkers in his uh, right hand and a checkerboard in his left hand because, of course, old people, they want to go out and they want to play uh, checkers. But the Imagineers, very, very clever because this picture was never published. So uh, I'm giving a copy to Lou and we'll see what uh, uh, he does with that. That's fascinating because obviously this is audio, but to be able to see how the two of them are exactly, and no guests. You are the only person in the world, now we are, that knows that. Well, thank you very much. And, and Well, thank you for sharing that, because you know what? Somebody made it a point. Some Imagineer made it a point to put that there, probably figuring nobody would ever figure it out except Jim Corpus. Well, that, that's true. But, but there, there are some others that are in plain sight that people should know, and uh, don't. So, for instance, uh, on that table between the, uh, the, the chair and the couch, you see uh, uh, Mickey's portrait. Do you know the story behind that uh, portrait? You know, it, that, you know that John Hench, of course, did birthday portraits for, for Mickey. That's not John Hench doing that portrait. I think this is the only time that this ever happened. That is actually a 50th birthday portrait of Mickey 
Mickey sitting there in the chair, petting uh, Pluto on, on the head there. That was done by an artist called Paul Wenzel. Paul Wenzel is the one who did uh, Walt's face for that uh, eight-cent uh, postage stamp, all that. He was a Disney artist. Well, the official 50th birthday photo of uh, Mickey that John Hench did is a very suburban Mickey in long pants and whatever, standing in front of a model of Epcot. All right. So... Um, uh, again, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, newspapers and magazines wanted to run the traditional Mickey. So to the best of my knowledge, this is the only time that Mickey had two official birthday portraits. There we go right there. I'm broadcasting live from Mickey's Toontown Fair on station WACKY Toon Country Radio. And now back. Yes, and that's the radio in Minnie's house where she's picking up uh, Red Barnes over there on Wacky Radio. And um, uh, some wonderful uh, illu- illustrations uh, uh, over here. The, the, the picture of uh, the Thanksgiving dinner, that was actually a, a specialty uh, uh, drawing uh, done. Again, uh, I believe by uh, Godfordson, could be Manuel uh, Gonzalez, who was doing the Sunday Mickey strip, but I, I believe that's, uh, that's Godfordson uh, from the look on the little nephew's face. And um, that was a special uh, magazine cover. In the, in the 40s and the 50s, Disney supplied a lot of uh, uh, magazine covers for all sorts of Rexall magazine, all of that. Uh, that's there. And so wonderful, nice little... Uh, uh, touches, including uh, other uh, uh, pictures al- along the wall from, uh, and even though they're identifying um, other characters, uh, <laughs> um, uh, obviously that's Mickey and Minnie, not uh, not the uh, relatives there. Again, from one of his popular cartoons, Nifty Nineties, and um, uh, there's uh, Minnie Mouse from Brave Little Taylor, even though they say. Prince Marie uh, Dumouse. And Mickey and Marley Mousett of London is from Mickey's Christmas Carol. And uh, Minnie has done, uh, is quite an artist. She's done uh, uh, quite a lot of uh, artwork, including uh, a sculpture of uh, uh, the Miss Daisy. And this is the Miss Daisy as she was originally built because... When we go take a look at the ship, and actually when we go visit Mickey's house, we'll see there's something different between Minnie's sculpture and what's over there at at Donald's. Now, in Minnie's uh, uh, painting uh, room over here, uh, again, a a lot of uh, uh, very uh, funny gags. Obviously, she was looking out the window when when Goofy uh, smashed into the water tower, so she's painting that. But look at the painting that she won a grand prize for Donald there. Now, that looks fairly similar, doesn't it? Well, actually, that, that's a, a gag. That's a takeoff on uh, Gainsborough's uh, Blue Boy. But even more than that, that picture, uh, obviously this is a recreation, but that picture has uh, been around for, gosh, uh, well over 60 years because that was one of a series of 16 paintings that the Disney artist, primarily Ward Kimball, uh, did uh, between 1941 and 1945. 16 of them appeared in uh, the Life magazine of April 1945 of Donald done up in the style of Rembrandt paintings, Whistler, uh, Degas, all of that, and uh, that is uh, one of them. But again, a lot of people walk through, 
and go, oh, yes. You know, and the interesting thing is, is she has this uh, uh, workroom here. Um, the gag I always used to do was, uh, uh, you know, Mickey and Minnie's house, it, it's very similar. It's, it's just that there's something at Mickey's house that doesn't exist in Minnie's house. A bedroom. And they're right next door to each other. Now, I, what, are you, what are you insinuating, Jim? <laughs> actually, not insinuating anything, because a, um, a, a good friend of mine and, and somebody I, I, I really like and respect, uh, Sean Slater, who has a, who has a wonderful uh, blog out there of, of Disney stuff, uh, always feels it's rude to point that out. He says, no, Minnie has opened up her house for tour, but being a very modest mouse, the place where the bedroom is is not open for the public to see. Now, in addition to being a, uh, a clearly a talented sculptor, a, a seamstress, artist, painter, she's also a... Um... Uh, and, and you can see she's even done a... Uh... Uh, a, a variation of the famous Charles uh, Boyer painting of, uh, of Walt doing a self-portrait. She's also very well read, too. She's, there's books on her shelf, such as Of Men and Mice, as well as other takes on classic literature. But she's, uh, she clearly has a lot of free time on her hands because she also publishes a magazine called Minnie's Country Living. And you can see some of the covers in the hallways throughout her house. And again, that's a takeoff on Martha Stewart and her magazine, uh, uh, Living. So let's see what she's got on her board over here. See, and again, we're watching guests walk right by it. They're running into the kitchen to sort of play with the interactive things and missing the things that are on the, the desk here as well as on the wall. A lot of the things that are pinned up on the, on the board, like her to-do list, Call Mickey, Mouser Size, nice reference to the old album that many of us had. Make a lunchbox for Mickey. I have so many errands to run, I might be out all day. Please leave me a message and I'll call you back. Bye-bye. 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 Clearly, that was Minnie's answering machine, getting a message from Donald. Hit the button, you'll watch the reel-to-reel go, and you'll get more than one. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Minnie Mouse. I have so many errands to run, I might be out all day. Please leave me a message, and I'll call you back. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, hiya, Minnie. It's me again, Goofy. I remember what I forgot before, but uh, I guess I didn't do such a good job, because I forgot it again. <laughs> yep. And there's so many other great things on here. We could spend a, a day reading some of the things. There's pictures. There are uh, pages that she's ripped off from her official pithy saying-a-day calendar. There's Jiminy Cricket giving some safety instructions. The Goofy for Governor badge on there as well, as well as a drawing from a child that thanked Mickey for showing her how to publish her magazine. Uh, there's her official Citizens of Toontown Fair proclamation on the wall uh, as well as her, her notepad where there's a note from Flora, Fauna and Merriweather and her little journal where she writes back to them thanking them for the note that they sent. Again, Jim, just incredible great little details and every guest has walked right by. 
and and they're still continuing to do so and and all it would take was just pressing that button there and and how many variations could could you run across and uh, yes, I'm a huge fan of, of Jiminy Cricket, so it's nice that he's doing a uh, uh, I'm No Fool uh, lecture series, um, which I remember from the original uh, Mickey Mouse Club. And, and again, just, just wonderful, wonderful little um, attention to detail, but, uh, but as you say, people just uh, moving through, moving through. Although uh, we do see that uh, a lot of guests are, are quite taken with uh, uh, the kitchen, and uh, some of those uh, uh, delights. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, they had was uh, some teapots and a plate with a cookie on it. But when you try to grab for the cookie, the cookie disappears because, again, it's one of those uh, optical illusions. And if we take a look at uh, Mickey's, ref- uh, Mickey's, Minnie's refrigerator, uh, we'll see that there's a lot of things for her to pick up at the store, but they're all cheese. So... <laughs> So thank heavens that she's attuned so that those uh, uh, don't, uh, uh, don't stay, don't uh, stick on. So uh, again, we're seeing um, kids having fun with the microwave uh, popper uh, over there, uh, opening up uh, the refrigerator, playing with the uh, 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 stove, and um, just absolutely delightful. So... Um, and, and again, all done in, in the style and the uh, color scheme. And walking through, in addition to the things that you can interact with and touch, you got to look at some of the details, including some of the nameplates. And, for example, as you move into the next room, this sort of uh, pantry, sunroom area, you'll see this is where she's also quite the horticulturist. And, and you've got to look up high. If you, if you look just eye level, you would miss this. But up on the shelf, you've got tiger lily. So you've got plants in the, the shape of a tiger lily. And... Some in uh, dandelion and, and the tulips with literally two lips over there. And um, uh, tune turf point, uh, potting soil. And it's important because, again, uh, the Imagineers connect stories back and forth. You'll notice that she has here, and it's empty, is the super tune plant food. Use with caution. When we go over and take a look at Mickey's garden, we'll see that he didn't use it with caution. And uh, see what happens uh, uh, with that. But, but one, again, one of my favorite things, if you look on the back yeah. wall, some of her hanging plants, you'll see buttercups that are cups with butter. My favorite are the daisies, which won first place, of course, in the shape of Daisy's face. There you go. And uh, wonderful gazebo outside. Again, one of the things that we take for granted at Disney, too, is, is the beautiful landscaping out here, the wonderful uh, landscaping. So... Um, Why don't we take a hike over to Mickey's house? Sounds good. So as we get to Mickey's country's house, uh, it's changed a little bit from when this was birthday land to star land. And one of the first things I remember is not what's inside, but what's not outside. Do you remember his car, his little red car that was outside with the license plate that said Mick and Min? Right, and the balloon tires. I love that. And and what a great photo opportunity. Um, Right now we're in uh, Mickey's house and we're, we're uh, taking a look and uh, I, I always felt that this was delightful. The thing that I always loved uh, tremendously was that Mickey wore glasses <laughs> and there they are on the bed. Obviously he wears the same uh, 
uh, outfit uh, all the time. But but again, very nice attention to detail. You, you could you could picture a, a, a Mickey Mouse uh, living here. And uh, again, he really takes the judge seriously because we see on the on the rack out here his uh, his hat and his coat and all of that. And talking about uh, items um, over here. A, a reference to my favorite character. He has a package on his uh, mm-hmm. on his old table in the foyer from Peter Pan to Mickey Mouse using the Toontown Postal Service. And he says to make sure you use no hooks. So I like the little reference there. Very nice. Very nice. And yes, the keys. And you want to play with everything, right? And that's the thing about these. You do, and you should. This is where you're encouraged, except for the areas that are, are sort of um, blocked off. Places like Minnie's Kitchen, they want you to touch everything. They want you to interact with it all. And, and, and again, this, is, this drives those people who love hidden Mickeys probably up the wall because you can see the popcorn there all in the hidden Mickey shapes and you've got the hard candy, uh, all of that. Uh, Duckburg U versus Goofy Tech, apparently a uh, big rivalry going on. But again, something that people... Um, uh, probably miss. Uh, there's the a picture of the Miss Daisy in happier times uh, because uh, literally a shark came, as we can see to the left of the fireplace, and took a big chomp uh, out of the uh, side of, uh, of the boat there. So uh, I'm actually surprised that the Imagineers never used the, the gag, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> um, and uh, again, a uh, nice attention to detail is the remodeling of the uh, the kitchen over here by uh, uh, Goofy and Donald, un- unfortunately. And in fact, if you take a look at the oven, it says hot, very hot, awful hot, and volcano heat. You know? And, and again, Mickey is uh, no healthier than Minnie because he's getting cheddar cheese, Swiss cheese, American cheese, cream cheese. <laughs> Blue cheese, cottage cheese, and cheesecake. Holy cow. And, uh, but again, I think uh, uh, Donald and Goofy are subcontractors to the... Three Little Pigs. Right, the Chinny Chin Chin Construction Company <laughs> with the general contractor Practical Pig there. So the subcontractors are, uh, are Goofy and uh, Donald. Um, and again, all sorts of uh, nice little gags on that. You know how to use this scale? Well, your guess is, is <laughs> as good as, as mine there. So, um, you know, uh, again, you need to take the time, uh, read and, and appreciate these things. But uh, I, I have a feeling that, that Mickey spends most of his time, probably obviously not in his kitchen, over in Minnie's kitchen, a little bit more well-kept, <laughs> a little bit better, because Mickey's obviously quite the avid sportsman. You, first of all, the house has a very masculine mm-hmm. feel inside with its woods, right. but the first room, you have the TV where they're sitting there watching the game, and there's a, a bicycle in there. The next room, this sort of rumpus room where Den, very much themed towards sports, everything from somebody in the middle of a game of checkers to ping pong with the paddles shaped like a Mickey head or a Donald head. Mickey's obviously beating Goofy 25 to 18. Donald, it must be a three-way game, has zero. But on the wall, there's great references to all different sports from football to golf to basketball to bowling, tennis, so much more. There's trophies and there's books. 
again, wonderful, wonderful detail. And, and again, one of those details is you see the uh, blue frame up there of uh, Mickey leaning against the desk. That is Mickey's 25th birthday portrait. That's by John Hench. That is the very first official Mickey's birthday portrait. And then, you know, progressively uh, through the years, there have been more. But, but that's one of the ones that uh, always stands uh, uh, out for folks. Uh, John Hench said that... Uh, uh, he wanted Mickey to wear long pants in that one, and uh, Walt said, absolutely not. Mickey wears short pants, and so that's the, the way it is. And uh, we're going to be going out into the uh, garden, and, you know, we, we talked about the interrelationship of, of stories. So you really have to go into Mickey's house to find out why there's a big hole in Donald's uh, uh, boat. If you took a look in Minnie's house, we, we sh- saw that uh, plant food. Uh, out here, we're going to see that the plant food has, has spilled and created huge mutations of, uh, of uh, pumpkins and uh, tomatoes and uh, uh, all sorts of things. And uh, yeah, I could, I could stay here for, <laughs> for quite a while. I'm, I'm going to miss this when, when it's gone. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that Disney has uh, some plans in the new meet-and-greet area to, to, to capture some of this ambiance, some of this wonderful attention to detail. And that's what I was going to say. It's like this is part of one, uh, what I'm going to miss are, are the details here, the, the historical references that are made. But, and it's a way to segue into talking about, I think people come here sometimes saying, well, this is Mickey's house. Where's Mickey? Disney made it a very deliberate thing that as you're exiting his house, you're saying, well, I haven't seen him. And there's a sign there with a, with a, a finger that points. It's a one-finger point because Mickey has four fingers. Yeah. It says, hiya, folks. I'm back in the judge's tent. So if, come on over, visit. It's right up ahead. Your pal Mickey. So people wouldn't be disappointed saying, hey, I went to his house, but Mickey's not here. Where am I going to find him? Um, it, it sort of makes that, that transition for people very easily. Yes, and Mickey takes being a judge, uh, you know, very, very... Uh, uh, seriously, and uh, yes, just to the right of the sign, you'll see that the uh, uh, tune growth stuff has has spilled out uh, onto those uh, Mickey tomatoes. But uh, let's go over to Mickey's garage because there's a couple of secrets there. So as we get into Mickey's garage, you can enter here or go into the judge's tent. As, and, and, and can, what, what did we see out there we, at, at Pluto's house, dog house? Okay. And, and you were saying, "Oh, I wish I had <laughs> mentioned that." We see the wind chimes that are shaped like, of course, dog bones. Right, and uh, again, um, uh, the wonderful signs for the uh, uh, tomatoes, the uh, holly, wooden, and vine uh, variety, and, and of course, uh, the pumpkins. But, but again, most people are going to go into the judge's uh, tent because they're going to want to meet Mickey, and it's never going to occur to them to come back uh, into, the, into the garage. And uh, as you can see, Mickey believes in recycling up there, even his uh, white gloves. And up on the wall there, one of the things you see is uh, Mickey fishing and uh, Pluto by him. That's actually uh, uh, a publicity uh, piece of art from uh, Mickey's last theatrical uh, cartoon, 1953, called uh, The Simple Things. And he didn't make another cartoon appearance for 30 years, which was uh, Mickey's uh, Christmas Carol. Now, one of the things I notice uh, on the... uh, um, internet especially, is, is that people will point out uh, uh, particular things like not only does he have a first aid kit, but a last aid kit. And, and uh, of course, the, the wonderful books uh, along the side, including uh, one based on uh, Susie the uh, uh, Blue Coop, which was one of John Lasseter's uh, 
inspirations uh, for cars, but the, but there are so many wonderful things in here that people miss them. Up in the rafters are uh, two posters, one from Mickey's Nightmare, which interestingly enough is the cartoon where Mickey pretend, thinks that he dreams that he's married to Minnie and it's a nightmare, and then uh, Mickey's uh, Good Deed. So both of those are 1932. And uh, he thinks enough of them, and he stored them up in the rafters, but nobody's looked up there in the rafters. Uh, and in fact, on the upper shelf here, you'll see um, Mickey's uh, original mailbox from uh, Mickey's Birthday Land, and uh, something that uh, Lou particularly likes. The Mick and Min license plate. Right. And uh, something that um, I just discovered today here with Lou <laughs> to, to prove that there's always uh, something to s- discover. What have we just discovered here? So on one of the shelves, you see a lot of books, and you see oil cans. And if you look behind some of the big ones in the front, you'll see three small one-quart oil cans from the Mojave Oil Company. And those of you that remember and think back over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, you know the predominance of the Mojave Oil Company over there. And, yes, just delightful. Well, I think what we're going to do now is we'll probably make a, a quick stop over at the... Uh, uh, SS uh, Miss Daisy over there and uh, uh, then head out. So uh, again, wonderful things that I hope uh, uh, the spirit (laughs) of these uh, go into some new area somewhere because uh, just absolutely wonderful. And I hope uh, somebody is uh, documenting these. You know, I hope somebody is uh, going out and, uh, uh, you know, taking videos, taking uh, uh, photos, and uh, here's something that uh, Steve Barrett probably likes. A bowling ball with a hidden Mickey. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, and, and as we walk over to Donald's Wood, somebody said to us as we were doing this, so what are you doing this for? This place is going away soon. And we said, well, that's the point. Is This place is going away, and we need people like Jim Corcus to share these stories, and, and we do this show, and, and do the magazine, and do the audio guides to help point out to people these things, because so many things through history here have been lost because they weren't recorded and there's nothing more than some old photos or VH videotapes that have been transferred to YouTube that we have to remember them by. So hopefully this helps people discover new things or maybe reminisce about things that they may have missed. Well, wouldn't this be great if, if this podcast encouraged uh, Disney to send down a documentation team and let's get this all documented before uh, it goes because... Uh uh, again, it's it's on life support right now. Uh, you know, the the fences are going up, and the construction uh, or destruction material is is out there. So uh, let's take a um, quick uh, hop across the puddle here to um, uh, Donald's boat, and we'll wrap up there. Sounds good. So as we wrap up our tour of really the the presence of the main characters, really the Fab Five, all have a presence here. In Mickey's Toontown Toontown Fair, Donald has his own boat. The Donald's boat, we've we've talked about how we saw the pictures in there. And as you walk into this soft, squishy, sort of rubbery play area, you can come inside Donald's boat. And the first thing you see isn't something you see, it's what you hear. And you have a chance, there's two ropes at the front right by the wheel where Captain Donald is. And uh, you can ring the bell and uh, do a little bit more outside. Yeah, and, and what, is it, what can you do with that second rope there, uh, uh, Lou? Well, you can, uh, you can help get some, some random passing stranger a little wet. And, and I don't know what it is that, that kids love water and running through water and running through uh, fountains. You know, I, I, I 
I thought when you were going to say, oh yes, you can uh, notice something before you even go into the boat, was, was just the, the shape of the boat I- itself, because the cabin up there is uh, shaped like Donald's uh, beak, if you look closely enough, with a porthole for the eye, and the, the roof uh, blue like his hat. And then as you look down lower, you've got the, the blue for his shirt and the, the, the white for the, the bottom there. And, and again, very subtle, very clever. Um, this is the Miss Daisy, and so she's a figurehead out there. She's uh, um, been uh, sculpted, uh, modeled for that. And uh, a figurehead was uh, supposed to be the eyes of the ship to guide them through uh, you know, treacherous waters and to, to bring good luck. And once you're inside the ship, you can see very clearly where the shark has taken a, a huge, huge uh, uh, bite out of that. And, uh, of course, a map done by Ludwig von Drake, which will actually show you the location of uh, Toontown Fair and the location of uh, uh, Duckburg, which apparently has been moved 23 miles from, <laughs> from, uh, from where we are. Um, and uh, always love the character of uh, Ludwig von, von Drake there. And again, a lot of uh, 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 clever gags, you know, the uh, Quackatoa, uh, you know, uh, Sailor Hat Island. Uh, so again, a, a, a nice little uh, fun place for uh, uh, kids, but again, not long for this world. But I'm glad we were able to, to spend some time, uh, uh, you know, walking through... Uh, Toontown Fair, taking uh, taking another look, uh, taking a, a spot at all of this. Uh, even if this is gone, as I said, a lot of people have taken uh, film and video, and maybe they'll go back and take a look at it with different eyes. And and that's the amazing thing about a Disney theme park is that even though you may have been there a thousand times, there's always something new to look at. Uh, look at a, a little bit differently, and you were mentioning to me, but but Jim, nobody. Nobody knows these things, and, and that's very true. Um, but the fact that these things are there uh, and people miss them doesn't detract from the attraction or the enjoyment. But once you know them, I think it really enhances the experience. Absolutely, and it gives you a reason to keep coming back because the time, and I always said the time you spent in the queue sometimes is time well spent because it gives you time to look around a little bit more. And while your kids are running through, ringing the bell, t- turn around and take a look at the map and all the sight gags that are here and everything else you can find in Mickey's Toontown Fair because the Imagineers did such an amazing job of detailing it so, so very well. And I love so many of the, the nods to Disney history going way back because we say it all started with a mouse and I still believe that to be true. So Jim Corcus, as always, thank you so much to read more of Jim's incredible, incredible work and to hear some of the stories that only he can tell read his stories behind the stories in Celebrations Magazine and be sure to tune in again as Jim joins us as we walk through and explore some of the details and the history of Walt Disney World. So Jim Corcus, thank you very much. Lou, a a pleasure as as always and uh, what a great way to to spend a a last walk through Toontown Fair with with you, somebody who appreciates that and those of you listening at at, at home, uh, you, you should see his face light up and the the smile go from ear to ear when he discovers these things. Uh, Lou is actually, I think, 10 years old when it comes to being on Disney property, and truth be told, I am as well. And uh, thank you uh, the, for, for listening, and uh, please make sure you share these stories with others. We don't want them uh, to die out. That's one of the reasons we share them with you. Well, thanks for doing that for us, Jim. 
That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in. Thanks also go out to the dads from the 2010 Walt Disney World Moms panel. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can head on over, ask the dads and the moms questions about Walt Disney World vacation planning. Also, huge thanks go out to my good friend Jim Corcus. Love spending time with Jim, exploring all of Walt Disney World's history, details, and stories. I promise there is much more to come with me and Jim Corcus, but to read more of some of Jim's stories behind the stories, go back, check out Celebrations Magazine, back issues, current issues. You want to come and subscribe, visit CelebrationsPress.com. Also, don't forget, you can follow Celebrations Magazine over on Twitter. It is at Celebrations Mag. I'll put a link in the show notes this week. Speaking of Twitter, are you following me? I am Twitter.com slash I post updates, play games, lots more. And hey, if you're on Twitter, if you're listening to the show, if you like what you hear while you're listening, do me a favor, tweet out that you're listening to the show, help spread the word. If you're on Facebook, come on, join the WDW Radio page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash WDW Radio. I am still dealing with my friend limit issue, so I apologize if you sent me a friend request or you've asked me to become a fan of your page I am not ignoring you, I promise. Unfortunately, thanks to Facebook, I can't do anything because I've reached my limit. I am still trying to deal with that, but again, you can still join the fan page at facebook.com slash WDW Radio. Be sure and come visit the all-new WDWRadio.com. Launched just last week, lots of new features, lots of interactivity, and if you want to comment on this or any other show, you can do it now right in the show notes. No need to register Post your comments, post your questions, make it an interactive discussion. And hey, if you want to contribute to the site, write a guest blog post, anything else. I'm always looking for contributors to the site as well. Shoot me over an email to lou at wdwradio.com. There are more new features coming to the site, and I'm also ready, almost, to announce something new that's coming, going to be released very, very soon. Make sure you stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook and the forums for that Speaking of new announcements, I I am so happy and so proud to announce this week an important change to the Dream Team project. And what that is, is my fundraising initiative that I started back in 2004, specifically to raise money to send children with life-threatening illnesses to Walt Disney World through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I started when my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer back in 2004, started off simply by taking a portion of the proceeds of the sales of my Walt Disney World trivia books, and I still do to this day for anything that's sold on the site. It has grown thanks to contributions and volunteers over the past few years. It's now more important to me than ever with my wife having lost both her parents to cancer, including her mom in 2008, and the passing of my dad just last month because of new cancer that had spread throughout his body. But the new sponsorship through directly through Make-A-Wish is going to afford the Dream Team Project the ability to, one, be more involved in the wish-granting process, 
We're going to be able to sponsor the individual wishes of numerous children throughout the year, really fulfilling their dreams of visiting Walt Disney World through online donations and special events and auctions and lots of other activities and functions that we're going to start doing over the next few months. We really are going to make a difference in the lives of those who need some of that Disney magic that we talk about to those children and to their families. And since we started this back in 2004, through some of those things, we've raised almost $90,000 specifically to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation to simply illustrate that the power and the compassion of the Disney community. Just last year, we had an auction at Magic Meets 2009. We raised $26,000 in just a few events. So I please ask you to go read more about the new relationship directly with Make-A-Wish, where more of your online donation is going to go directly to sponsoring a child's wish. There's a press release right on wdwradio.com. You can also find out more by visiting Dream Team Project. Org. There you can get a link if you want to donate. You can visit the secure page that we have right on the Make-A-Wish website. The link is on the site as well. And stay tuned because I'm also going to announce a new special event later this week. So again, more important that you stay tuned to, to Facebook and Twitter for more information. Speaking of upcoming events, don't forget April's Meet of the Month is going to be Saturday, April 10th, 1 o'clock in the afternoon at the Dawa Bar. That's in Africa, in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Tim Foster from Celebrations Magazine is going to join me as well. It's going to be a great opportunity just for us all to get together, say hi, meet other listeners. We'll have some giveaways. If you want to let us know that you're coming, head on over to the Facebook event page or in the forums. The links are right on the side of WDWRadio.com to the Meets of the Month for more information. I'm proud and thrilled to be going back to the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet on August 14th, 2010. That's going to be at the Linwood Convention Center in Linwood, Washington. Lots of special events. Special celebrities are going to be joining us as well. For more information, visit pnwmousemeet.com. have a couple of other things that I'm planning for later on this year, but looking ahead to 2011, don't forget about the cruise on the Disney Dream, February 27th, Four days, Nassau, Castaway Key, lots of special events and things we're planning to do right on board the ship and Castaway Key. I have some more details about that coming very, very soon. More information, visit www.radiocruise.com. To contact me, ask a question, whatever it might be, send me an email to lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, you want to comment on the show, share a thought from the parks. You can just call toll-free the voicemail line, 888-703-2171. Don't forget, come to the site, sign up for the free newsletter. You'll see the link right on the right-hand side of the homepage. Information, articles, there'll be some special offers coming later on as well. Get it via email. Again, that's free. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs and all-star vacation homes. You can find links to both of those right on the homepage. Stay tuned for another WDW Radio live video broadcast and chat coming very, very soon. But as always, my friends, and you are my friends whether we've met or not, if you like the show, please help spread the word and let others know about it. Review the show over in iTunes. And as always, remember to keep moving forward. Take that first step 
towards following your passion and following your dream. And of course, thank you for taking the time and tuning in. So until next time, have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is uh, Chris, uh, DisneyFun55 on the forums. Just want to say thank you so much for your show. I believe it was number 160, your interview with uh, Don Hahn and Peter Schneider. Um, uh, you talked about with them about their documentary, Waking Sleeping Beauty. Wow, what a show. I had an opportunity to attend uh, last night a preview up here uh, or a screening of Waking Sleeping Beauty in the Washington, D.C. area. And afterwards, for about 45 minutes, they hosted a general question-and-answer period, and they couldn't have been more warm, more uh, friendly and inviting. They took on all questions and answered them honestly and truthfully. And let me tell you, if you have the opportunity to see the show, you have to go see it. So thanks so much, Lou. Great work. Keep it up, and see ya. Hey, Lou. It's Carrie from Titusville. I figured I'd give you a call. I just finished my very first training session for the Wine and Dine Half Marathon in October. Yeah, I finished all the huffing and puffing before I called you. And, oh, my goodness, what did you get me into? Um, I figured, hey, what the heck, Lou can do it, so can I. So um, I'm going to do as you say, and I'm going to keep moving forward, hopefully at a much faster pace than I did today. But um, it's going to be a long road, but I think it's going to be totally worth it. And... Hope to see you at the after party at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning when I, you know, straggle across the the finish line. So keep up the great work. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Lou. uh, Ashley from Virginia. Um, I'm on Twitter as WDWHappy and on the boards as Happy Grumpy. And my husband and I were fortunate enough to meet you at the D23 uh, dessert party. Um, Really loved this past week's show. Uh, You guys really let us relive some of the memories that um, made it such a great trip from the 5K even to the D23 party. I have to say that it wasn't until you started talking about um, the offerings that they had at the California party and the price difference that I kind of raised an eyebrow, only because um, just to think that $70, of which I had already covered in tickets from park hoppers and a pass was already was built into it, but to see the people who got to go to that party and and uh, and also go to D23's website to also see that the pictures, the majority of the pictures are from the California party, unless I overlooked it on the D23 website. Maybe there are pictures posted from the Walt Disney World uh, one-year anniversary party. But um, I would would we do it again? We would, um, simply because I mean, the end of the evening, ending it in the uh, Fantasyland, uh, was fantastic, and being able to take pictures of the mosaics through the castle and nobody in your way, that was pretty cool as well. Um, but I, I would love to see, uh, I almost kind of feel like that Walt Disney World's slightly a bit like the stepchild on the East Coast, um, and I understand there are different resources and things out there um, for for California and for Disneyland. I just wish we'd see a little more I would, I would definitely pay more if I knew that I was going to be wowed like that um, all the time. But anyway, I just you guys got me thinking as the show went on and kind of doing some research. But, uh, yeah, great show. Thank you guys so much. And um, like I said, it was fun reliving it. And uh, you guys are the best. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, Lou. It's Eric Bolton from all Virginia. I just uh, got out of uh, the... Uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty movie and uh, discussion with Peter Schneider and Don Hahn, and it was great. If anybody gets the chance to go see that with them speaking afterwards, 
go see it. It was awesome. It's hysterical. It's sad. Uh, a little angry at times, um, but great, great show. Um, it also it opens in Hot City on the 26th of March, but they're still doing some shows with a discussion with two of them uh, before that. So if you get a chance to go see it, go. And also, um, it's supposed to come out on video in the fall, um, and that's pretty cool. So that's it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Hello, my name is Tammy, and I, I love listening to the Walt Disney World uh, radio station. And um, recently, this week, um, I heard Lou talking about um, uh, them closing down uh, flat backlot, the studio, Studios Backlot Tour and uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Playground set. And I got really upset about that because that's like uh, the Studio Backlot Tour is just an amazing tour to take all those props and behind the scenes and they uh, did limit that when they had um, that whole neighborhood. I remember seeing the whole neighborhood um, a couple of years back and they knocked all that down and I'm guessing that they put Lights Motors Action there instead and uh, that was a really big shame now they're closing it down and uh, the, the rumors mill saying uh, that, um, uh, that you know there might not be any more backlot for and I thought that was pretty uh, stinky, you know. And, you know, I think, really think they should have a backlot tour in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie set. That is such, like, a fun little thing for the little kids to do because the backlot tour doesn't have that much kid-themed things except the play, Playhouse Disney, which is usually packed with, you know, kids. There's just such a long line. and The playground has a long line. You can just play all you want. And, um... It, it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, some of my friends um, like to uh, hang out there for quite a while, just to take pictures and then you know post them on Facebook. And um, it's it's a lot of fun. And they all are they only have Boys in the Little Mermaid, which is sometimes a little bit scary for kids too. So um, that's sad that they're closing that down. And I'm wondering why they won't use the hot set like that. If there's this building that says hot set, it says it, it has. It is said hot set for quite a while. Why they're not using that building, we don't know. And I also um, wanted to say about the Minnie and Mickey house down in Magic Kingdom. Um, it's really sad that they're closing Ariel's Grotto. First of all, like um, I loved when they had the water outside her grotto and King Triton had a statue with the, um, the Triton that shot out water. I remember that. And it's gone now. Wish it was still there and had a bunch of sand. Um, and just covered up. And Ariel's Grotto is, uh, I love that. It's just a very nice area for the kids to play. And Toontown is, is, is just for those little kids. It's perfect for them. Because Fantasyland, say a, a Snow White Scary Adventure, you do have Winnie the Pooh, Mickey's Solar Magic might be a little bit scary because of the popping, you know, the 3D effects and everything. And there's such a long line for Peter's Flight and sometimes small world, and Toontown is such a nice area. And expanding Fantasyland, um, I really don't think that's such a great idea, but that's just my personal opinion. Maybe they could use all that um, land behind Ariel's Grotto, possibly. But I do hope that they keep Mickey's and Minnie's um, houses because that is such a tradition that my family does. We always go ride the train and go through the houses. So um, I do hope they keep that. Maybe put it in Main Street. And thank you, Lou, so much for uh, doing these podcasts. 
so much fun to listen to with my family and just listening to them. Okay, have a wonderful day. Hey there, Lou. It's Doug from Geek Acres, and I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed the latest show with Eminem. It was a real good look at the uh, Princess Half Marathon as well as D23. And I want to jump on board with you. You may have thought you heard an echo, but no, that girlish squee was actually me when I got to see the Tron Legacy trailer online. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm right there at the same vintage that you are, and I am terribly, terribly excited to go see the new movie and to take my son as well. And, man, I'm going to have to jump online when I get off the phone here and take a look at those pictures because the monorails wrapped in blue and yellow light cycles sound really, really cool. So keep on doing what you do. I love the show, and I'll be looking forward to the next episode. Hey, Lou, this is Danusha from Toronto, Ontario, calling. Um, I just wanted to call and tell you because I just finished listening to the, I believe, March 7th episode that you had that had Don Hahn and uh, Peter Schneider on it. And I just wanted to congratulate you on a fantastic show. I've been listening to you since day one of Mouse Tunes, so I'm a longtime listener of yours. And that show was, I think, one of the best that you've ever put together. Um, and, you know, for someone like me who's been listening to you for such a long time, we all feel like, you know, we know you, and it's been amazing to see you grow with your shows and with everything else that you do. And please know that, you know, we appreciate all the hard work that goes into each and every one of your shows, and uh, we love all the work you're doing. So keep it up, buddy. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.